We are live. We are back finally after a nice, small little two-week break for Memorial Day weekend and people graduating and just a whole lot of stuff is going on. Sports Social is back. I'm Ed Easton. I got Miss Naomi Gray back in back in the studio with us. She is ready to go. She's a college <laughs> graduate now. Congratulations to that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> And obviously, a lot going on in sports since the last time we were on. And, you know, I actually had to listen back to that last episode that is on iTunes right now. Shameless plug. Um, we were talking about OKC and Golden State and how big an OKC fan Naomi Gray is over here. And obviously, OKC had a 3-1 lead in that series. And I'm going to give her a chance to explain. I'm just giving a nice little overview. <laughs> We were discussing that, as well as, you know, the Toronto Raptors. Could they actually win a game in that series? That was another big topic. I was upset about Jeff Hornacek. I went off on a little rant about it. I'm still upset. Nothing has changed. But now, coming to where we are now, we're heading into Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Game 2 was last night. And I still feel like the series has not started yet. We're still waiting for the Cleveland Cavaliers to show up. I think they're still, you know, like in Toronto figuring things out because the last ga- last two games, not only was this not a typical Cleveland Cavaliers team, this was a team that seemed like they were playing with them with each other for the first time. There was just so much confusion about who does what, what role do they play, and I'm thinking this is the NBA Finals, and and to make matters worse, this is the team that beat you last year. The excuse last year was they didn't have Kevin Love. They didn't have Kyrie Irving. Now they have him. And he still can't win. So all those questions, you know, are still going to be asked. And, and, and then the, the most embarrassing part about it, in my opinion, is that Clay Thompson and Steph Curry were, have not been dominant at all these two games. The average, I, I believe the average amount of... Um, a victory from uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers in this ser- well, not the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Golden State Warriors in this series is the most in NBA history, I think, in terms of the first two games and how how they just they haven't really competed. And I'm really surprised. I had this series going seven, and I don't think it's going to go five. It's they just don't look good at all. Uh, obviously, things change once they get back home. LeBron is going to have a lot on his shoulders. The guy just looks miserable as it is. They're in for a fight. They didn't get a fight in the Eastern Conference, but they're definitely going to get one from the Golden State Warriors. And uh, just flipping it back now over to Golden State, seeing what they had to go through to, to go over, you know, Naomi's OKC Thunder, and now make it to the finals, have all the momentum in the world. They're even hungrier than I believe than they were last year, which is hard to believe. Steph Curry not showing his best game. Um, Draymond Green had a huge game last night. The bench has been amazing for Golden State, how deep they are. They really are strength in numbers because you're talking about what Sean Livingston is doing. You're talking about uh, even Andrew Bogut doing things like key blocks in that, in the series so far have been huge. Festus is really crashing the boards. Um, I could go on and on about this team. Steve Kerr looks like a genius now. I mean, let's, let's, let's be real. Even though he broke his uh, his little uh, little planner there, I don't know what, what he was doing with the clipboard. He broke it. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I was looking at him laughing. I'm like, first of all, 
I didn't know Steve Kerr was such the loses temper type. I didn't think he was that type of guy. He always seemed calm and collected when, you know, when he's talking to someone. But he's like breaking stuff and, you know, and they were winning that game. They weren't even losing. They were winning. He's breaking clipboards already. Steve Kerr, anger issues. I, I like it. I really like it a lot. It gives Steve Kerr this edge that I thought he, he never had. So you got that going on. Uh, and, and now, you know, you got the funny memes already starting. And it seems to happen every year with the NBA Finals, especially with LeBron. They, they always take shots at LeBron. They have the meme about uh, him yelling at Iman Shumpert. Well, not Iman Shumpert. He's actually yelling at uh, at Kyrie Irving. Talk about Richard Jefferson has more points than you, you know. It's, it's like funny little memes like that already circulating throughout the internet. But the funniest one had nothing to do with the Cavaliers. It had to do with uh, Steph Curry. And uh, Naomi, I don't know if you noticed this one. There was a a young woman, you know, yes. an Instagram model. <laughs> Instagram oh model. Oh, my God. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Instagram model was uh, making her, uh, her presence known there. She was giving Steph Curry the ultimate... Look of lust. That's, that's the way I'm going to call it right now. That's what it was, right? Yep. That's the best. That's the best PG as that's, it gets. Exactly. I was say that was the most appropriate way to put it. Thank you. Because that that was the look, and I mean she was staring right into his soul. It wasn't like she was just looking at him. She was all in him, and it, it goes back to the whole thing. You know, they talk about Aisha Curry being at the games. This is why she's at the games. I mean, I'm I've never seen it get captured the way it was. Whoever took that photo or screenshot, it's a classic. And then what made it even better. Is the Instagram model, because the Instagram model who was doing this, she took the same photo and put it on her page. And she's proud of it. She knows what she's doing. This isn't like she was just a joke. She knows what she's doing. <laughs> so it's it's funny things like that are going on. And, uh, you know, obviously, just looking at the different sports, we got the Stanley Cup Finals going on as well. The San Jose Sharks and the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, Naomi says she's not a huge hockey fan. But, you know, this is a good education right here about what's going on. I'm not going to spend too much on it. <laughs> but uh, they're heading into game four tonight. Actually, tomorrow night. I'm, I'm sorry. Pittsburgh's up 2-1 in the series. Uh, Sidney Crosby's been playing well. It's been a lot of overtime finishes. Pretty exciting stuff for everybody that lives in Pittsburgh and San Jose. Everywhere else in the country, no one really cares. Let's be honest. The ratings are kind of low this year. Uh, a lot of questions in regards to, you know... Does people even know that it's on NBC? Did you know it's on NBC? It's on NBC, yeah. yeah. People didn't even know, so hockey, you know, got a lot of work to do with that little with the PR thing. So hopefully people are checking out because it is a good series. I don't watch every game, but I watch most of them. And uh, the action going into overtime has been thrilling. So good stuff with that. Uh, also baseball. Yankees having their issues, as usual. And you're starting to think now, what happens with all these old players? Teixeira's been terrible. The guy's batting under 200. A-Rod is up and down. Carlos Beltran's our better player, and he's 40 years old. It's just, uh, if you're a Yankee fan, this is sad. And I'm sad because I'm a Yankee fan. So I look at it as, do we scrap the year now? Uh, you know, Usually the benchmark for your team where you can tell if the team is good is how they are at Memorial Day. They were in last place. That's not good. So a lot of questions with that, with the pitching rotation. Um, we have Chapman in the, in, as a closer now. Miller, Batances, a great setup. 
But in regards to what they want to do moving forward with this team, having these young players in the minors, do you give them a chance to play now when the team isn't that good to get the experience up? Or do you ride out with these old veterans who won the last year the contracts anyway? That's going to be the big question for them. The Mets have their own issues. A lot of them are injury-related. It's like weird injuries. Uh, David Wright, and I hate to say this because I'm a David Wright fan. Even though I'm a Yankee fan, I respect David Wright for what he's done with the Mets for the last I don't know, 14, 15 years. He's been their Derek Jeter. He's the captain. Uh, he's had the back problems. He has the uh, spinal stenosis. I don't know if you have you ever heard of that spinal stenosis. I've, I've heard of it. It's a, it breaks down after a while. So you know he's eventually not going to be able to, to walk right after a while. That's just Which the is disease. Very yeah. Great baseball player. Um, he's been continuously having those neck injuries, and his latest injury, uh, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. And that's the Mets captain once again. If you're the Mets, do you trade him, or do you feel like uh, you let him ride this out? Because he, he's making $20 million this year. Yeah, he's making $20 million. So definitely a big question mark. If you're the Mets regarding that, they're going to obviously fill in fill in that spot with Wilma Flores or whoever else can play third base. Um, Lucas Duda's hurt. You still got Travis Darno, who seems to stay on his um, disabled list for the Mets. They always throw in some random catcher to fill in time. A lot of question marks with that, as well as Matt Harvey, and he can't get right. The guy's 4-8 this year. He's their ace, and he's been very hittable from a guy who, his beginning of his career, got every single... I don't know, Mets record out there in terms of pitching. He's struggling right now. The guy can't get a guy out. He's, uh, I think, averaging a good four runs a game he's given up. And that's not good. It's not good. So people are talking about, is he worth a big contract? I like how they start talking about money now in the middle of the season. Guys start struggling. They start thinking, is he worth this much money or not? Just saying, you know how much, do you know how much baseball players get paid relatively? Just a lot. <laughs> oh, a lot. I know. A lot. I'm talking about a guy that's not even that good gets $200 million. Exactly. It's it's like they're the highest paid athletes, no? Mm-hmm. They are. Guaranteed money. This isn't like, you know, performance incentive and all that. This is guaranteed money. The Yankees are paying a guy named Jacoby Ellsbury over $180 million. And he's not even one of the best players in the league. Insane. Giancarlo Stanton, who leads the uh, the majors in strikeouts, I believe, but also can hit the ball a ton. When he hits the ball, it's going 500 feet. He's making over $300 million in Miami. There's no tax there. So that's all his money. Man, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball players, you see? Right. <laughs> hey, I, I look, I should have played baseball long in high school. That's what I kept thinking about. $300 million. My God, you should have no problems in the world. But uh, that's what they're going through right now. And, you know, all these players and, and just some of the teams that have been exciting this year. The Cubs, very exciting. This may be the year for the Cubs. I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, curse that the uh, Cubs have been going through. No, I'm not. Okay. it's called, Enlighten me. I'm going to enlighten you. This is why it's fun. <laughs> it's the curse of the, uh, of the Billy Goat. Okay. A long time ago, like back in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. A man wanted to come to uh, Wrigley Field, that's where the Cubs play, yeah. and bring his goat. And obviously, they weren't going to allow that to happen. Right. So because the man could not come to the game with his goat, he put this whole curse uh. on the franchise. <laughs> and since, this is like the early 1900s, zero championships for the Chicago Cubs. 
zero. Wow. Zero. Just that's been the curse, the curse of the Billy Goat. That is so funny. <laughs> So and you feel they could probably break that curse this season. I mean, the, the Boston Red Sox broke. The, you know, they broke their whole curse. Right, about, right. You know, everybody knows that story. How they beat the Yankees finally and made it to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Yada yada yada. I hate the Red Sox, so I'm just gonna give my personal opinion Not on that. Not shocked at all. <laughs> Not shocked, right? <laughs> they broke their whole curse, the curse of the Bambino. Yes. And won a couple of championships. Now everybody's thinking this is the Cubs' turn. The last time the Cubs were really this close to being a good team was back in the early 2000s. And I don't know if you know a guy named uh, Steve Bartman. No. It was the Bartman ball. The, the Cubs were winning this game against the Florida Marlins in the National League Championship Series. If they win this game, they go to the World Series. That's mm-hmm. like the major, you know, championship. Fly ball, and the Cubs have a chance to like get the, the one of the final outs of the game, which is a huge critical out. The ball is going towards the stands. As the outfield is trying to go to it, one of, the, one of the fans accidentally reaches over and touches the oh, ball. Oh, no. And because he touched the ball, it was a foul ball, and they gave the uh, batter another chance. And yeah. when the batter got another chance, he drove in the tying run that sealed the game. So the guy, Bartman, who was the one that did it, the fan, mm-hmm. was hated. I mean, they had to get a police escort to take him out of the game because oh. he's going to get killed to the point that he's still in hiding now to this day. Get out of here. Yeah, he's in hiding with the oh, FBI. Oh, my God. People are trying to kill him. <laughs> you laugh, it's that serious. I don't mean to laugh. It's just it just reminds me how important people people take sports. Like it, it just reminds me how serious people take this thing. You talk about people that haven't won Chicago. They have not won in baseball, and I'm talking about the Cubs because the White Sox have won in forever. People not even in it in like I'm talking about people in the '80s, not in a lifetime. Right. So when there's a chance like that, and it's broken up by a fan, by a fan. Wait, what team was this fan for? Going he was for? for the Cubs. Oh no, no, no! He's a Cubs fan. He was a young, you know, I kid. Know he he hates had his, himself. He had his headphones on in the game. His glasses. And they showed him. They kept showing him on the uh, big, not the big screen, but on TV. They kept showing him. So everybody was looking for him. You see other fans pointing like there he is, and they were going to kill him. There's a huge thirty for thirty on it. They oh, gotta catch that. You gotta catch it if you want to learn a lot about it. It's it's phenomenal the job they did. And they even talk about a guy who tracked him down to talk to him, and he still refused to do an interview. He's probably scared for his life, as he should be. And this happened back in 2003. <laughs> Think about that. It's been 13 years. The, the Cubs even invited him back throughout the first pitch because they feel bad that, Aww. you know, he's going. He, he had to go through this for his whole life. He had to go into hiding. He still has refused. Oh, my gosh. Maybe they need to win the championship. So, you well, know, it's like forgive and forget. That's what people are thinking. If they win a championship, <laughs> this would forgive everything. You know? Right. It. Who knows? I mean, they lost in the National League Championship Series last year to the Mets. Okay, yes. So it was one of those great matchups between which team which team fan base is hurting more. <laughs> you know, it's the Mets or the Cubs. They've, lo- they've lost forever. Right. Now it was a chance. Obviously, the Mets became the, uh, the NL champion. So yeah. the Cubs are the best team in baseball right now. Can they get it done? That's what everybody wants to know. All the pressure in the world is on these, yeah. on these Cubs. <laughs> the, they, they've been known as the lovable losers forever. So Aww. that's their nickname, lovable losers. So everybody loves them. They just can't win a game. Right. <laughs> um, also, we're, we're going to recap a little bit of what happened with uh, the French Open. Mm-hmm. And I know you watched a little bit of that. Serena Williams came up short. And everybody wants her to win that Grand Slam. She's come up short in the finals the last two times. She came right. up short in the U.S. Open as well. 
she's 35 years old. You know, how much more chances does she have? And honestly, this was the first time when I've watched it where she looked a lot slower. She was still dominant, very powerful, but she looked a lot slower on that court. You know, I don't know if she had bad ankles because she had her ankles heavily taped. Mm. And I was thinking about that. I was like, she is 35. Her and Venus both lost, and they both lost in their doubles matchups as well. Usually they always win doubles, doubles. and they lost that too. It's tough, you know, and you look at it that way. Um, and then on the men's side, Djokovic is just dominating everybody. He is the best tennis player in the world right now. I just bring up the argument the argument in regards to his path this year in the French Open. I would have really liked to have seen him go against Nadal, go against Federer. Right. You know, even if Federer and Nadal are not where they used to be. It kind of shakes him up a bit, though, to yeah. go against those greats. You know you're, what I mean? You're going against top players. And that's the most important thing of this. You know, you, you've got to go against the top talent. And I think he got lucky with this this time around, so... We'll definitely see, and um, you know, we'll play a little bit of uh, some of their press conferences and hear what they had to say in regards to it. Uh, also, WNBA, we talked a little bit about you know just it getting noticed and and our thoughts on it last show. Season's underway now. We've had a couple of games in. What is the state of the WNBA? We'll get into that later. I'm just teasing it right now, but we're gonna definitely break that down. So, you know, just. Think about the league now 20 years. Has it progressed? We're in, we've played a couple of games. We've seen some of the stars that are out there. I believe uh, Skylar Diggins is playing again, right? Yes. She's playing again, so some things, you know? Is it enough star power heading into the Olympics? That's that's the biggest key that we'll really talk about. So we'll have that and more, as well as your thoughts. So uh, call us up, 516-900-2278. 516-900-2278. And um, now, before we go to the song break, Naomi, I got to... You just graduated. Yes. Okay, so mm-hmm. that had to feel good walking across the stage. Brooklyn College alum, right? Yep. <laughs> Brooklyn College alum now, taking on the world. You're celebrating something. And, you know, I'm actually proud. Of, and I do want to give thank you to... Uh, a big thank you to Black Enterprise for... Selecting me as one of their 100 modern men for 2016, I think it's a great honor. I was surprised, <laughs> and you know, I'm like I said, I'm just it's, it's a blessing, and it feels good to know that you know people are watching, and and it's just even more encouraging to keep pushing hard and working hard in this industry as an African American man. And you know, every time you see the news, it's like, oh, a black man did this, a black man did this wrong. It, it just it really feels good that there is a list like this, which is you know not just people like myself, but Everybody from different like different um, occupations. It's not just media people. It's teachers. There's um, community activists, uh, actors. Like you see in Hollywood are on this list as well. It, right. it just feels good that they're giving acknowledgement, and it doesn't have to always be bad news when you talk about a black man in America. Mm-hmm. That's that's really just dope. So I'm really thankful for it, and I uh, hope that I uh, don't let you guys down because now you know you, you know who I am. I'm out there a little bit, so. It just feels good. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, what we're going to do is go to a song. And I think this movie just came out probably, what, a couple of days ago? The uh, new Ninja Turtles movie? Yes. Did, it come, did you see it yet? No, I, I don't think I'll be watching it. Oh. <laughs> you don't think you watch it? You're not a Ninja Turtles fan? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. Well, I was a fan of the classic Ninja Turtles back in the ni- early 90s, you know, mm-hmm. late 80s. That's when I was a fan of. And since I always played throwbacks, how about play this song from the classic Vanilla Ice? 
Ninja Rap. <laughs> Throwing it back. Sports Social Eddies. We'll be right back. Gonna rock the town without being seen Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Slamming and jamming to the new swing sound Yeah, everybody let's move Vanilla is here with a new jack groove Gonna rock and roll the place With the power of the ninja turtle bass Iceman, you know I'm not playing Devastate the show while the turtles are saying Ninja, ninja, rap Ninja, ninja, rap Ninja, ninja, rap Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. I got Naomi Gray in studio with me. 
Yes, I played Vanilla Ice. She was giving me this look. Well, you're playing Vanilla Ice? No, I wasn't. Was Don't even. Look. She was giving me this look. Like, <laughs> I you wasn't. kidding me right now? I'm, I'm a sucker for some Vanilla Ice. <laughs> ice, Ice, baby. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know I heard why I say they're a sucker for Vanilla Ice, but that's real. That's real. <laughs> um, we do want to give acknowledgement, obviously, to uh, the passing of the great Muhammad Ali at the age of uh, 74. You know, this was late Friday night, and uh, it, it was huge shockwaves across the media. You know, just every form of media as well as athletes, um, entertainers, uh, you you name it, they had a quote or a comment about his passing. And I'm going to, you know, I, di- I didn't want to really dwell too much on it today because I felt like for what Muhammad Ali brought to not just the sport of boxing, but to the culture and and just what it meant to be a role model and to be somebody that stood up for what he believes in, I felt like he deserved his own show. So tomorrow is going to be... 100% Muhammad Ali. It's going to be a full Muhammad Ali special here on Sports Social. So I just think it's worth it, you know? Absolutely, 100%. So, so we're definitely going to save a lot of it for tomorrow. I'm going to play a lot of clips about some of the stuff people have been saying about him. There's been a lot of good stuff, as well as taking calls and taking some comments from a, a select few that uh, you'll hear from tomorrow. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Just reflecting. And also some of his quotes, because, you know, he had... His, ooh. <laughs> Look, you're already like you know. How many people have like his quotes like on their body or something, or hanging up yeah. on their wall in their homes? Like for like the other day, I think it was was it one one blog posted like top ten greatest Muhammad Ali quotes, like because he has those and he yeah. has more than just ten. It's like it's crazy how influential he was. Crazy influential, and like I said, just a dedicated person to what he believed in. And I think a lot of people are so you know quick to jump on bandwagons and do this and do that. He stood for what he believed in, and mm-hmm. he's always till the day he died, you know. So absolutely, we'll definitely discuss more about the great Muhammad Ali tomorrow. But uh, last night, the NBA Finals, Game Two. You know, I'm watching this. Uh, just even, let's be honest. Starting off the game, starting off the broadcast, you get the uh, national anthem being done by uh, Carlos Santana and his wife. I don't know if you saw that part. I did, and I thought yeah. it was a little bit too intense for the for the moment. Like I feel, yeah. I feel if I was one of the players about to play, I would be very distracted. Because <laughs> he had the whole band set up out there, and he was just him and his crescendos, his wife. and like yeah. it was just insane. I mean, I appreciate the talent, but yeah. I just felt like it was a little bit too much. Because usually, most athletes take that time as you know their time to you know say a prayer, get themselves together, and when. Mm-hmm. You have a drum soloist going bananas, <laughs> a guitarist just going ham. Yeah. You know, it's a beautiful thing what they did, creative wives. But I just, that threw me off. <laughs> right. And they were definitely going in. And I thought it was different just not having someone sing it. Right. And they have, you know, the percussions and everything going with it. Just the, you hear the instruments and the actual playing. It was a great job by Carl Santana. I just thought it was different. So it was that type of thing. Um, starting off the game, I thought the Cavaliers had good energy. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like LeBron was like, okay, I'm going to attack, 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 attack. That just seemed like the original plan. But then Andrew Bogut kind of changed that with a couple of blocks. He was insane in that first quarter. Yeah. Insane. He was so clutch. And, like, it just goes to prove just how, like, like you said, like, there's just strength in numbers. Like, it's their, their whole team just shows up and shows out. Like, mm-hmm. you said, the Cavs did have great energies. They forced, like, you know, a couple turnovers, you know. They had a couple steals in there early. But they weren't able to complete the job. Right, You right. know? And that makes you think, if they're not able to compete, you know, if they're not able to compete as early as they were, you know, everybody thinks Andrew Bogan is like the forgotten man, that he's kind of in a way and they really want to play small. They don't want to play with a center. 
the importance of a center came into play big time to the point that I think the Cavaliers would think about putting in Mozgov earlier mm-hmm. because Tristan Thompson, for all the money he's being paid, was getting killed on the boards. He was. They was so many second chance, third chance opportunities. That shouldn't happen if you have Tristan Thompson, guys making over eighty million dollars this year. Exactly. That's supposed to be his job: clean the boards, right? Mm-hmm. He did nothing. He did, he was not effective in that first half, and that really set the tempo for what was going to happen later in the game. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I noticed, and, um, and this is maybe this is just me being picky, but Kevin Love, he just looks too afraid out there. He does it. Is it just me? Like he just looks like he's not ready for this big spotlight. It. Exactly. And, you know, he got by last season not having to, you know, not obviously he didn't want to, but, you know, not being in the position to play in the finals, he got by. So it's, it's, this is, you know, kind of new to him right now. You know, this, this attention, everybody's like, the Cavs are going to, you know, whoever are Cavalier fans, they're expecting them to dominate because, you know, the big three is all there together. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Kevin Love, he, He's out there getting concussions, you know. Well, I don't getting, know if he meant to get a concussion. I know, I know, no, no, I know, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> of course not. But um, it's just, like, he just doesn't, like, look like somebody who could handle this right now. He's just, to me, he's kind he of falling shook. apart. He looks shook, and that's what bothered me. I feel like you're, you're an all-star, you're a guy that's in commercials. You're looked at as a leader on this team. Mm-hmm. And if you're getting quiet, and, and to me, he needs to demand the ball a little more. Because I feel like as much as Draymond Green is, is abusing him, he should be abusing Draymond Green back. It should cancel out each other. That's what they were hoping for. But uh, he hasn't done it. Kyrie disappears. And I didn't like the fact that, you know, he started off being aggressive, wanting to try to, you know, take the basket. I think he put up the first, like, four shots or something mm-hmm. like that. And then he went cold, and the guy just stopped shooting. And, and I don't know. Steph Curry's not putting pressure on you defensively. And I think Klay Thompson was guarding him most of that time. And um, Mark Jackson, who's calling the game, pointed out, and I didn't think about it for a while, Klay Thompson guards the best the best guard on each team because mm-hmm. it's never Steph Curry. Yeah. So he's been guarding James Harden. He's been guarding Damian Lillard. He's been guarding Russell Westbrook. He, he's a pretty good defender, very underrated. That's very true. So it's That's very true. You know, they call him the best two-way player. I think the best two-way player is always going to be Kawhi Leonard. Oh, yeah. You know, just the full. That's totally true. Full package. But they're saying possibly Klay Thompson could be in that conversation. And uh, I thought Kyrie just either Klay Thompson's playing good defense or he just didn't have any confidence after a while. And I'm, I'm looking at LeBron's body language and how frustrated he got. I felt bad for the guy. Cause I feel like he's giving it his all and he's getting nothing in return from his team. Exactly. But also he's, he's taking the whole pressure from his team and putting it on his shoulders. And that's something you can't do. I understand you want to take the blame. I understand you're, you know, the big the big guy on your team. Not not in terms of size, but like you know, like you play a huge role. You know, it's like people look at the Cavs and they see they see LeBron James. Mm-hmm. So you're ta- him taking all the weight on his shoulders is going to affect the way he plays as well. So it's like he can't he can't have that mind mentality. I feel terrible for him, but at the end of the day, I'm waiting for the Cavs to, Cavs to show up. I'm waiting for them to pull it together and and. Be the team that they can be. They made it this far. I mean, they've had, you know, some easier matchups. They they haven't had to deal with the Warriors throughout this series, of course. But, I mean, not the series, but in the um, playoffs. So, they need to get it together and get through whatever they're going through right now because they look terrible out there. Okay. They don't look like they should be in the NBA Finals the way they've been playing these last two games, losing by 43 points. Yeah. Like, you can't, that's just something you can't do. You need to have that hunger. Like you said earlier, that you're going against a team that beat you last year. Yeah, in where your is that? House. Exactly. Where is that hunger? And you know, everybody's saying like, 
okay, you know, Golden State dominated home court. Hopefully the Cavs can go back. Mm. And the Cavs cannot risk losing one <laughs> no. game. They lose one game, it's over. They cannot risk losing one game. And, you know, when it comes into my predictions, I'm thinking, you know, they might they might win. Game three would be their best they chance. They might win in the land. I don't know if they will. Mm. And it's it's it sucks to have that feeling with a team like the Cavaliers. It's a team full of veterans, and you would hope that they could try to pull it together. Um, I, I'm saying in terms of, like, I picked Golden State to win it, but mm. I was hoping it would be more of a competitive series. I said in seven. I thought that Cleveland was a better team than they were last year. They're a lot deeper. Right. This, they didn't get beat down the way they're getting beat down now. Last year, they, they kept it close. Exactly. This year, they're, it was over by the third quarter. Exactly. Uh, I, I actually turned the channel. I started watching uh, Miss USA for a oh while. Oh, my God, me too. Yeah, it was like. <laughs> I, you know? I didn't want to admit it, but I was like, I turned I turned yeah. the game off because I was like, I, I see where this is going because mm-hmm. I've, see, I've seen the way Golden State was dominating the end of last series against mm-hmm. the Thunder. Mm-hmm. So it's like at this point, I already know what they're capable of, and I'm not willing to watch unless another team is going to show up and, and put on a challenge. Yeah, and that's, that's really been the biggest key. I, I just feel like when you have a team – such as the the Cleveland Cavaliers, you're hoping that they do bring it together because they have LeBron James. When you right. have the second best player in the world, it's kind of messed up that I have to say he's the second best player, but he is. You always have a shot. You're always going to have a shot. So I, I'm going to really hope that there's a lot more that they can bring from this. Um, on the Golden State side, you know, um, I'm actually going to play a little bit of what they had to talk about during their uh, post game press conference. Right. And uh, just let's think about the job Steve Kerr has done. Mm-hmm. Let's really put this in perspective. They criticized him a little bit, saying that, oh, well, maybe it was more Luke Walton's team. No, this is no, Steve no, no, Kerr's no, no. team. Even the team acknowledges this is Steve Kerr's team. Right. He wrote a little paper, because you see Luke Walton every game reading off a little paper. Steve Kerr has everything on his team. I'm not saying that you see Mark Jackson's team and everything like that. It's Steve Kerr's team. The yeah. way they play. They feed off his energy and him breaking clipboards left and right. You know <laughs> his intel- his intelligence is oh, like yeah. it just shows through them. It definitely shows through them. And the funniest thing about it, when you see a guy like a Steve Kerr, and you start to think about what he did last year to shake everything up, when he put Iguodala in the starting lineup mm-hmm. without telling anybody. Yeah, remember he he went to the press conference in the beginning was like. Oh, there's no changes, lineup, nothing. Yes. Then five minutes before the game starts, Iguodala's in the starting lineup. Changed the whole game. Changed every, changed the whole series. Yep. They won the next three games. Yep. So, Steve Kerr is that type. I, I like him as a coach. I wish he was a Knicks coach. I wish he would have mm-hmm. accepted the job. They offered him the job with the Knicks, and he said no. And he probably took the better gig. But it, right. it is what it is. I, I like what Steve Kerr's about and what he's brought to this team. And obviously, they, they just know how to win. So uh, this is a little clip of what um, Steve Kerr had to say, as well as Steph Curry and uh, I believe Clay Thompson. Draymond does everything for us. He uh, he defends um, when we play our small lineup. He's our rim protector. It's a, a tough job in this series because he has to guard Kevin Love, who's usually spaced out at the three-point line. So he's got to pick his spots. Obviously, he knocked down his three-point shots tonight, which is just a bonus. I remember years ago, Danny Ainge had a great line after his team, when he was playing with Boston, his team won by like 35, and they asked him about it, and Danny said, uh, it's not the Tour de France, you know, we don't start out with like a two and a half minute lead, the next leg, it's 2-0, um, everything changes when we go to Cleveland, we know that, we have unbelievable respect for this team, and um, we've got to go on the road and 
try to do it again. We haven't won anything, really. We, mean, we took care of home court advantage, which is what we're supposed to do. Um, there's still a lot of basketball left, and you know how we show up in Cleveland will be a big test for us. Um, they have a, a great home atmosphere, and and obviously the way that the first two games have gone, um, you would expect Cleveland to come out with a lot of energy and feed off of that home crowd. So um, I'm only worried about game three. Who's the MVP of your team right now? I mean, you could you could pick from a lot of guys. You know, Draymond, what he did tonight. Sean, what he did in Game One. Andre with his defense on LeBron. Um, you know, Clay making timely shots. Um, we're doing it by committee, and everybody is is playing their role. Uh, and the crazy thing is, we can all play better. So we got to continue to play the defense that we're doing, and individuals will shine along the way. And, and that's what we that's what we're about. <laughs> Steph Curry was on the bench in foul trouble, and he was just having a ball watching you hit some of your shots. I don't know if you noticed any of Steph's reaction, but you seem to be channeling him a little bit with some of the threes you were hitting anyway. Don't tell me that. Steve Curry wouldn't like you if you tell me I'm channeling minor Steph Curry. No, but, um, you know, obviously, like I said, there were rhythm shots. Steph was on the bench in foul trouble, and someone has to step up. I, obviously, I don't look at that situation and say, oh, I need to take over offensively. But the shots were coming my way, and, you know, I was able to, my teammates found me, I was able to knock a few of them down. What do you expect from the Cavaliers as these games go back to Cleveland? Um, they'll probably play with a little more energy. That's natural when you go home, probably with a sense of desperation. You know, they might go big. Um, you never know, but we'll, we'll be prepared. I mean, I'm just happy with the way we battled tonight. Uh, Everyone came ready to play, and it was really an all-around team effort, and obviously Draymond was special with his shot-making. This defensive performance puts you guys or solidifies you guys as one of the best teams of all time? No. Nah, um, we got two more wins before you can even consider saying that to say we're better than the Showtime Lakers. How can you say it? We can never play them. We know, were so. better than the Showtime Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, say it better than the Bulls. Like, you, you, we'll never play them. You know, it's two completely different eras, you know, so I don't really get off into the are you the best team of all times. I'm trying to win rings, and that's the only goal. Everybody else can decide what they want to decide on who's the best team of all time, who's not. We got to win two more games, and they'll be the hardest two wins of this entire season. So that's my focus. All right, you heard Draymond Green saying his focus on getting these last two games and then possibly being named as one of the uh, greatest teams of all time. Do you feel like they're the, they're the greatest team of all time, even without the two wins? Um, I wouldn't speak too soon. I mean, they're totally dominating right now, and they'll definitely be a team that we all look back at when we're you know making comparisons. But I wouldn't say the greatest team of all time. Okay. Like. That's just like when they were talking about, what was it, the Showtime Lakers? Yeah, Showtime Lakers. And, you know, and then Clay was like, we are better than them. It's like, yeah, slow, slow your roll. Slow your roll just a little bit. <laughs> well, they feel themselves this, a little bit. Exactly, which they, as they deserve. They've been able to dominate just all across the board this season. You right. know what I mean? Hands right. down. Hands down. 73-9. and nine. And then while I was watching them play OKC and then they lost those three games against them, I was thinking, okay, you know, they're falling through the cracks. That hype is over. Mm -hmm. But the way they were resilient and came back and dominated completely. Right, right. 
much respect to them. So they're definitely up there. I wouldn't consider them the greatest all time. I feel like they need to get a little bit more, a few more championships under their belts. So you to, feel before like you can say that. I think if they become that first team that gets that four P, you know, it's right. always that three P. You always see about that. But a team that gets a four P stands out. You, you, you talk about going back to like the Celtics back in the sixties. That's, yeah. that's the type of stuff they used to do. Exactly. So if they become the first team to do that, and I think that's in Steve Kerr, that's the back of his mind. That's going to put him over Phil Jackson. Because somebody, it's like there's a new era. You know, you got to close a, close the chapter to every you know yeah. situation. So somebody needs to do it. You never know. They could win. They could win this year, and then some other team could dominate for the next five years, mm-hmm. and that'll be oh, remember the Warriors when they when they. Got seventy nine now. Now this team's doing it, so it's still a competition. They have to be able to hold it down for some time, but definitely. they're definitely well on their way. It's definitely their chances are higher than anybody else's right now. Oh yeah, you know, no, it definitely is. And like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how they play out these last two games. But I have a lot of confidence, and we were just talking about Steve Kerr, etc. But then on the flip side, we talk about Teron Liu and if whether or not he's a legit head coach because. This is the time when you have to make adjustments. You just don't get blown out back to back games without adjustments being made. So. Teron Liu, in your opinion, what do you think he has to do? He just has to look at his team and like go based off, like really make decisions strictly based off of their performance. He was talking about we need to be faster within the half court and make all, you know, like, and that wasn't shown. So it's like, are you really coaching? Are you really strategically thinking what your team needs to do to win? Or are you listening to hmm. King James? Well, it's 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 definitely King James. You know what show. I mean? Like, are you really being a coach? Like, you see what Steve Kerr's doing, and you talk about what he did last year. You know, yeah. putting Iguodala in the um in the lineup five minutes before a game. You know, pulling out those type of tricks. Mm-hmm. Tyron Lue is not capable of doing that. You don't think he could sit LeBron just because he wants to sit LeBron? Like, try to prove a message? Exactly. No. You are you no kidding control. me? Like, he's not ready yet for that. He's no. not ready yet for that. Is he? I like when I'm thinking about the Cavs winning the championship. I'm not giving. I wasn't thinking about giving any credit to what Tyron Lue's been doing this season. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's Are like he's right? been playing a very small role in in what this team's been doing, and that's going to ultimately affect them getting a chance at winning a championship. At the end of the day, they do need to be coached. They yeah, need to have right. a coach. They need to have somebody who is the you know the mental guy behind this. You know what I mean? The mastermind behind this. And mm-hmm. Tyron Lue's not that guy. You see that. They're, who who's calling the plays? What's going on on the oh, court LeBron's, right now? LeBron's calling you know what the I mean? plays. <laughs> and you, a player, you can a player can do but so much. Mm-hmm. When a player is taking control like that, it's going. It's not going to last. It's not. It's not going. You're not going to be able to dominate. Well, let's let's have fun with what we're just talking about, and let's listen to what the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers had to say after losing, and hear the difference between LeBron and the head coach. And let's let's yeah, hear yeah. let's hear if LeBron sounds more like the head coach. Wouldn't that be wouldn't that be kind of sad if that's the truth? But let's check that out. Well, tonight I thought they just you know um, we had a great first quarter, but they were still making the tougher plays. I thought they got to all the fifty fifty balls. Um, they were tougher than us and more aggressive. And um, you know twenty, I mean having them, holding them to nineteen points in the first quarter was really good for us. But I just thought over the course of the night they just continued to make the tougher plays. Do you, do you feel like the guys are? either surprised or bewildered just by how good or how quick the Warriors have turned out to be? Um, I think we're surprised with the way they won, yes. But, um, you know, that's what the playoffs are about. They took care of home court. We know we're going home. We have to play better. Um, the guys are not discouraged, you know, more more pissed than anything. But, you know, we got to be tougher. You know, that's, that's the, that's the uh, main thing for us. We got to be tougher, got to play more physical, and then live with the results. 
Can you give us an update on Kevin Love and how it would impact this series if he's not available for game three? Well, losing one of our top three players is always going to be a big impact, but right now he's in the concussion protocol, and you know, right now he's just day-to-day. Are you frustrated or disappointed with your team with the performances after game one and two? Oh, uh, neither. Not disappointed in our guys um, or, or frustrated. We just got to do a better job. We got to be better at all facets of the game, both offensively and defensively, um, both physically and mentally. Uh, they just beat us at every um, – we didn't win anything. No no points of the game did we beat them in anything. Even when we had an early lead, they beat us to 50-50 balls. Uh, they got extra possessions. They got extra tip-ins. How do you process a loss when, when you do feel like it could be part of your fault versus maybe it's out of your control? And, and what's it, what are the next couple of days going to be like for you? Uh, the next couple of days will be uh, not – I won't be reflecting – Figure out ways I can be better. Uh, starting, you know, as soon as I leave this podium, probably go back to the room and watch the game, uh, rewatch, uh, you know, ways I could have been better. Um, I just had a lot of turn. I had a lot of uncharacteristic, um, unforced turnovers, which resulted in those guys getting 26 points off turnovers. Um, so, I always, you know, I'm one of the guys who kind of always want to shoulder the blame and, and take the blame when we don't play as well as we should. It's just who I am, and uh, I got to be better. All right, I was LeBron James, Coach LeBron James, talking. Did it sound like he was the coach? Yes, I have to point out what he said when they asked him if he was disappointed. He said, no, I'm not disappointed in our guys. <laughs> You're one of the guys, You're sir. One of the guys. <laughs> You're one of the guys, sir. And it's not his fault. No. It's not his fault that he thinks that. You just brought up the fact that he's, re- as he's in the press conference, he's looking down, reading the stats, and you know, yeah. judging what he's going to say based off of that. And like I pointed out as well, he said, when I leave this conference, I'm gonna go back in the room and watch the game. It's it's ridiculous sometimes. Like I'm watching, you know, just him talking, his demeanor. He's holding the microphone. He's you know, cause he, he's the only one that holds the microphone. Yeah. And he's just reading the thing like as if he's reading the newspaper. Right. And. He's definitely the coach. Why can't he just be the player coach? Why, why is that not possible? Why can't Cleveland? <laughs> they, they used to do it in the past. They did it with Bill Russell. But it's, it, it won't work. You, it, it's happening. It's just not yeah. that title's not there, but it's happening, and you're seeing it's not working. It's, he's, he's not built for that because his frustration takes over the way he plays. You know what I mean? True. This is very true. It does take over the way he plays, and he's, I do think that when you see him on the bench a lot, he gives you so much like emotion and like he's like he's gonna cry on the bench. You right. know, I don't know. LeBron's an interesting guy, man. He's a very interesting guy. I, I didn't bring this up obviously because we weren't we weren't on the air before. But remember the fake flop he did uh, against the Toronto Raptors? Oh yes, yes. And I thought that was. <laughs> it's like come on, LeBron. You're like six eight, two sixty, and you're getting really LeBron. He got, he went yeah, down like yeah, he got yeah, shot. Yeah. <laughs> down like he got shot i, I like, seen that too and i was like lebron sometimes you take it too far but i literally have to applaud that man like you know um earlier i was listening to first take and they were talking about um jerry west um defending him yes yeah and you know basically how he also west how he also um went, went through one for eight exactly you know, you know finals, what i mean yeah so it's it's just funny to see that, you know, is LeBron going about to be another one? You know, is he going to be in his shoes as well? He's Because right. if he loses this, then what is he, two for five? He'd be two and five, yeah. And, you know, people are kind of, you know, bashing him a little bit for that being a possibility. But it's like, 
you have to applaud his 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 greatness. You know yes. what I mean? It's it's a lot of a lot of effort that goes into that. Exactly. And just you know, it's tough. It's a tough situation for LeBron. I like I said, I I try not to be on his side just because I feel like he makes himself to be out the villain a exactly. lot. Exactly. Yeah. I told. It's funny. The way he won me back was not by anything he did on the court. It wasn't about him going back to Cleveland. It was the way. It was his acting performance in the movie Trainwreck. I don't know if anybody, if you've seen it yet, <laughs> he is so funny in Trainwreck, playing like a cheap version of himself. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I've seen clips of that. He's definitely, he won me back. I'm sorry, as a fan, because he was too funny in yeah. that movie. And I, I think LeBron, I don't think there's anybody that can coach LeBron right now. No. Unless he's like Pat Riley or Phil Jackson, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Guys that have that sort of like esteem, you know, look to them. No, no other coaches out there like that. Or Popovich, I should say. And that's the thing, and it's it's kind of, you know, bringing him to his downfall. There's a reason why he's a player and not the coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, within time, maybe, you know, after he retires, he could definitely, I definitely see him coaching in the future, absolutely, yeah. hands down. But I think he, although he needs to separate his passion and, and you know, it's, it's, a hard, it's a hard thing to figure out. Like, I appreciate what he does, but he needs to be coached yeah. because he's not the only person on the team. Yeah, yeah you're right. You know what I mean? You're he needs to be coaching in a way correct. where he's a part of the team, not separating himself from the team and saying things like our guys. Because he doesn't even realize he's doing those things. <laughs> he's so used to probably saying it. You know, especially when Blatt was here last year. I think the Blatt situation was such a bad experiment. And I thought Blatt could be a good coach. And I, I don't know if you heard, but he went back overseas. Like, yes, he's coaching he did, back yeah. overseas. And I think that's better for him. I, it was it like just, last week it happened. Yeah. It just wasn't going to work for him here. And it's a shame. The potential it's, was there, though, with, with David Blatt. It definitely was there. It definitely was, but what can you say? You know, tough situation for him. And um, I don't know. You hope for the best for that guy in his career. I think he does have a shot in the NBA, maybe starting off as an assistant coach mm-hmm. and working his working way back way up, up. Yeah. just to earn the respect amongst the league. That's really what it comes down to. Absolutely. But um, I do want to actually you know, leave off with the whole NBA Finals talk with this thing, with two things, actually. Number one, how did you handle the OKC Thunder pretty much throwing away a title? Because I think they could have beaten Cleveland. They basically threw away a championship. Absolutely. I was telling friends that I was like, this was their year to do it. Yeah. If they missed out this year, then that's it for a while. You know what I mean? Their chances were so high, especially after they beat Golden State in game one. Like, they should have taken that as a time to rip rip them. Like, right. Go in, and they did. They were up three to one, but mm-hmm. they couldn't pull out. And then I, I think like after you know when Golden State went back home and took that game, everybody kind of seen it as okay, you know, it makes sense. Golden State's gonna win at home, but then to go to lose back again at home in Game Six, yeah, at that's when that was my most de- that was when I was most devastated because I was like they lose Game Six, they're losing the series. Yeah, everyone said the that. The fan yeah. in me <laughs> wanted to say no matter what, Thunder up, yes, no. No. You know what I mean? No. Like, they lost it. <laughs> so when I watched the game, I believe it was Monday night, Game 7. I forgot. But when I did watch Game 7, I was just kind of like, they they blew it. Like, I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. They're not going to be able to come back right now. Mm-hmm. Game 6 was their Game 7. Right. So, it's, it was yeah. it was tough for anybody as a Thunder. I have a couple of friends that are Thunder fans, and they just they didn't tweet for a while. They were just 
absent from social media. <laughs> they wanted to just be in quiet because that's you have three one. You know, it's I tough. literally like I literally was like tweeting for a while, and then like, I remember like towards game six, and then at game seven, I was like, I don't want to tweet, but like I can't, <laughs> I can't jump off their bandwagon. Like yeah. it's, that's what I realized. A lot of people started jumping right off there, oh, exiting yeah. left. When it was at the game six, it was like that's it, exiting left. That's so it's it. like me, I'm a real Thunder fan, so I I stood by them, mm-hmm. and you know just. After all, it's like the thing about being a fan as well and also being somebody who's into sports and, you know, trying to be somebody in sports media world. It's like you have to separate the fan and you and have to, you know, look at the statistics and, you know, think logically, even though it hurts so bad. So <laughs> you got to separate it. You yeah, gotta exactly. Got to keep that emotional. So as a Knicks fan, I, it's hard not to, but you got to. It's it's life. Right. Exactly. Uh, the second thing I have to ask you now, I'm asking for your perspective on this. We just brought it up earlier about uh, Steph Curry and, you know, his secret admirer looked like, who's not so much of a secret, the Instagram model. <laughs> You're Aisha Curry, right? Ooh. Steph Curry comes home from that game. How's that conversation go down? Um, but you better stay away from that girl. <laughs> you like better that. stay away from that girl. Wow. Just like she, that. Yeah. I mean, I probably laugh about it because if, if you're comfortable in your relationship and you see a female out there looking at your man, when you, if you're comfortable, you don't have to – doesn't need to be an argument. You ain't got to be upset about it. Right. It's like, yeah, that's my man. You looking at him. I see you. <laughs> but I have him at the end of the day. Right. But at the end of the day, you do have to be worried about the groupies because that's, oh, that's yeah. such a – you know, that's a thing in, in, this, very, in this sports world. Very much so. But, I, you know, they depict that they're confident in their relationship, so I'm sure they laughed about it. But mm-hmm. I'm sure at the end of the day, she was like, okay, it's, it's funny, but – so stay away from her. So you don't address the girl at all. I don't address her at all. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, she's one in a million. You know what I mean? There's girls at home talking about him, probably crazy posting pictures of, probably posting pictures and tagging her in them. Like that's my baby yeah. daddy. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know. So it just happens that she, the one out of a million, just was on, you know, captured in camera. Exactly. <laughs> and um, it's funny because she she went back. I mean, her mother like kind of replied to one of the pictures. She was like, "That's her boyfriend sitting right next to her. She's a very." Um, She's an athlete. I mean, like just trying to defend her daughter, right, and then right, her right. daughter kind of didn't defend herself. She egged it on. She right, like, exactly. Invited it. You know? She was like, "LOL," like laughing about it. Yeah. So, but it's just like I wanted to blow over because it's taking. It's kind of going to be distracting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure the memes are going to keep coming, especially if they win the finals. They'll probably mm-hmm. be like, "Oh, look at her! I definitely I bet you she's in the audience or something." You know, like, exactly. You know, it's definitely going to come back. But if I was Aisha, <laughs> I wouldn't worry, and I doubt Aisha's worrying. And that's good. That's good because I, I, it's funny how that took off, and that and that actually became the bigger one of the bigger stories of the game because the game was so bad, right? <laughs> you know, and also people turning over to see um, um, Miss USA. Which yes. Shout out to Miss DC. You know, yes. for winning that beautiful, great. That was huge. So shout out to that. And uh, we're gonna do is take a break. Um, you're listening to Sports Social Eddie's, and when we come back, I want to recap a little bit of that French Open, and um, definitely go into some more hot sports news. And we're going to talk more hockey because I know you're looking forward to that hockey talk. Yeah. I know it. I know it. So we're definitely going to get to that. We'll be right back.
Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. We got Naomi Gray in studio once again, yes. and you know it's always a good time when you play Bobby Brown. And you you brought up during a break the whole new edition movie yes. coming out. I'm a little scared for it, you know, <laughs> because like we were just saying, Aaliyah, and you know that yeah, that the movies go. So we're gonna see how that one comes out. <laughs> That's gonna be next year, I think, right on BET. Yeah, something of that extent. Wow. That should be interesting. You know, speaking of BET, the BET Awards is going to be coming out at the end of the month. And mm-hmm. it's going to be, I, I, I think that's the best award show out now. Maybe I'm being biased because, you know, you're going to get, a, I feel like, a great performance in terms of a, of a Prince tribute. Yes, I was just about to bring that up. That's yeah. where all the, you know, artists who can truly relate with him and truly be able to perform his music it's, the right yeah. way. No shade to Madonna. But you know, it, she. You know what's funny? Because she made a, she made a good point. She said that she has the right to tr- give a tribute her own way. Yeah. Yes, it probably should have included more than just Stevie Wonder. You know, it, it was very, it was bad. It's it seems very rushed. Like we're gonna rushed. put this hand in here. We're gonna do this one song. That like no, that's not a tribute to no, Prince Honey. Not at all. Not at all. And I thought it was a little choppy. 
Yeah. But we you know we hope it gets better to beat Tia Awards. Now they got to do something with Muhammad Ali as well. So right, it's going to exactly. be a lot going on. Might see R. Kelly. If we don't see R. Kelly, I'll be shocked. I would be very shocked. You're the world's greatest. He has yes, to do that song. exactly. I agree. Um, 516-900-2278, once again, is the number. French Open. Now, for all the big tennis fans out there, <laughs> this was a big deal. It was a grand slam. Um, for everybody here in America, you had to get up at 5 in the morning to watch it. Right. You know, it's... I, it's a major, and I always like get excited for this because I always think like Serena Williams. I'm still supporting her. I hope that she does break the record. You're hoping that she does it, you know. And you're yeah. seeing for the first like she's 35 years old. She's up there in age. Venus is up there in age. They don't have many chances left. And I feel like if you want to see the greatest play, this is the time, time to go. I'm thinking about going really to the U.S. Open this year. That would be. I feel like that that makes the most sense. Like the yeah. U.S. Open. Being a New Yorker, and if you are a tennis fan, and if you do have a love for somebody like Serena Williams, which I do, it's like mm-hmm. getting to the U.S. Open and trying to see, you know, being able to watch her even try to make history, that's that's definitely, you know, an experience worth definitely. worth every type of penny. Huge experience, and I feel like just the limited time that we're going to have with her being at this level. Right. You know, she's finished in second place the last two um, big events. Mm-hmm. You're starting to wonder how much more does she have left. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, you know, that's what I wonder because she doesn't need the money anymore. She has, come on, do we really need to go through the prices? No. You know, <laughs> don't make me feel any worse about my life. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think you can feel worse about your life. I mean, it's, <laughs> this is this is she makes everybody feel kind of bad here. It's it's funny because I look at her and how, and you know, Neil, they always talk about like um, female empowerment. Mm-hmm. I think she's the epitome of it because she's dominant in the sport. She's a businesswoman. The way she is, even with, like, relationships. Right. You never hear her getting dogged out or there being some type of sad, um, going through something. You know what I mean? You don't hear that. No. It's hers like, okay, well, we don't mess with, uh, you know, Drake. Oh, okay, you with me for a while? No, you're not. It was just that. And she's still playing tennis. Exactly. (laughs) Life goes on. Yeah. I thought that was different, you know, and she really brings that side out of it. And you got to respect her. You know what I mean? Right. I like how people come to her defense because uh, some of the you heard some of the comments that were said about her her body and everything. Oh yeah, even she's like, built like a, a linebacker. They said last year like she got it like really bad. Even I remember yeah. that New York Times article situation where they were talking about her and her body, you know, image issues. Like she she's you know gotten through a lot, and I feel like there are a lot of supporters out there for her, which is very nice to see. Because mm-hmm. for a while there was that whole like you know everybody lifting Ronda Rousey up, and then. Somebody else who has like a muscular body and a female like Serena Williams, and they were comparing that Serena wasn't getting that much shine and stuff like right, that. And like right, during right. that phase when Ronda Rousey was at, I guess I would call it her prime right now. Um, but people were, you know, being very supportive of Serena. I think that was nice to see. And you know what? And I'm seeing like I think Mike Epps. I think he said something about it. I, I, I don't know who. No, no, not Mike Epps. I'm sorry. Steven Jackson, former basketball player. Steven okay. Jackson. He came out with an Instagram video. Uh, attacking all the haters in regards to that, wow, you know, yeah, talking about her body and about and it's 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 just I think it's silly, it's really silly. It's petty for people to really point that out about somebody. Uh, she's built for athletic competition. Her she's body is goals, okay. Her yes. body is goals. Her <laughs> body is why she's a champion that she yes. is. Yes, like you you can't you can't be as great as you are and dominate certain sports. If your body doesn't look a certain way. We were talking about gym, gymnasts earlier yeah. and the strength they have and the, their body types. Like, mm-hmm. they're great because of, you know, the work they put in, and that's going to show throughout their body. So mm-hmm. either you're with it or you're not. Like, yes. that's that's what it is. 
and you know that's something that she's had to deal with and uh, this is what she had to say at after losing her uh, finals match so uh just uh check this out i guess i haven't really had a lot of time to think about the difference i think she was you know i know in the first she won the first set by one point so I mean, that just goes to show you have to really play the big points well, and I think she played the big points really well. Uh, well, the big big disappointment, but uh, you think you played well? I think you played today better than the past days. I don't know if it's your feeling or not. I understand that when you lose, it's difficult to appreciate. Thank you. Um, I don't know. I think... I don't know, there's just so many holes. Like, I could have served better. I mean, I made a lot of errors on my return. Uh, you know, but I, I did definitely try out there today. But did I play better than the other matches? It's just a, it's a totally different game. Like, my other matches have been different types of players, you know, more or less, you know, totally different style. And I think um, today was just... You know, another new style. So I don't know if it was better or, or what, but it's gone in the right direction, I think. Serena, you you applauded when you saw that the lob hit the line. Was that one of the best match points that's been played against you? I think so. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought that ball was going out. So yeah, it was, but it didn't. But it was it was a it was a really intense match point. That was Serena Williams giving her thoughts at the end of the game, well, the end of the matchup, and uh, losing in the French Open finals. Do you feel like she'll get back to that level in terms of winning? Do you think she'll win a Grand Slam this year? Or is oh. Because yeah. I know still early. Got Wimbledon coming up. That's the next big one. And Wimbledon, she dominates all the time. You know what I mean? Like, Wimbledon in the U.S. Open is, like, her her thing. Yes. So I feel like she's going to show up and show out to one of those. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not tripping off of the fact that she lost the French Open because it happens. You know, there's going to have to be room for other people to step up and show their excellence and for them to be rewarded for that. So um, I just want her to be able to walk, walk away with, you know, making history and getting another Grand Slam before she does go because eventually, like, you, you, you keep mentioning her, her age at being, you know, 35 years old. And right. It's going to come to an end soon because there's so much your body can take as an athlete, you know, mm -hmm. and you've been dominating for so long when she was just young. I remember her playing with the beads in her hair and just, yeah, you know, so youthful and dominating. So I give her so much credit for still being on, like still keeping us on our toes and still making to making it to these finals because people, you know, they don't always idolize the people who get those second place trophies, but you have to be, you know, you have to put into perspective how far they've gotten and, you know, what they're doing. So I think it's still great that she's at this level playing in finals of Grand Slam at this age. Yeah, because it's very rare. It's very it's, – it's, it's something you don't see often in tennis, especially for women's tennis, you know. Right. And for her to still have at this level – like, you still see Martina Hengis is playing, but she won't play singles anymore. Mm -hmm. She only plays mixed doubles, which she won the mixed doubles championship at the French Open. And remember, she was one of those people that was, like um, – I think the first person Serena beat for a major was right. Martina Hengis. So it just shows. I think they had to be around the same age. And Martina Hengis can't do it anymore. Exactly. So, so. It's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot mentally, physically, and emotionally, I'm sure, for Serena. You could just even hear the way she speaks at the press conferences after a loss. It's like, it's, she it's, know, it's a lot. Yeah, you know, and she, I'm pretty sure she knows that eventually her career is, is you know, it's more closer to coming to an end than, you know, anything else. So mm -hmm. I just really want for her to, you know, sh display her excellence and get, you know, get that get that other Grand Slam. 
I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, we'll see what's going to happen in, at Wimbledon. Um, I'm actually going to really look into going for the U.S. Open. So that's something we could possibly do. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be dope. Um, now, on the men's side, Djokovic wins again. <laughs> takes care of he takes care of business, and uh, he does Andy. You know, it was against Andy Murray, who, in my opinion, was the only real competition that he faced in this tournament this year because of the injuries. You had Federer out, right. you had Nadal out, and don't, don't get me wrong, Nadal and Federer are nowhere near where they used to be, but they're still a, they're still good talents. They're still smart players, right? I feel like we the men's division has gotten so so weak. Yes. over the last couple of years, um, you know, you got Eisner in there, you got Wawinka. Even yeah, I don't think those guys are that good. Like, you know, Murray is always around the finals. I'm never yeah. gonna take that away from Murray, but I just feel like is it Djokovic being dominant or is it that the competition is not as good? That's that's the question. What do you think? I think that he is definitely being dominant. You can't you can't, you know, you can't not give him the credit for being being as good as he is and He's doing well for, you know, somebody's going to have to step up when the greats are sitting out and, you know, dealing with their injuries. Somebody's going to have to do it, and he's doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, for somebody like me who remembers just watching Nadal um, playing and dominating so much growing up, especially on the clay court, like, he yeah. was the clay court yeah. king. You that's know what I like, mean? That's why I kept saying. If he played, because he was still, you know, even at an advanced age, I still think he would have given him a good exactly. fight. It's like, and when, yeah. when it's like, these matchups and these grand slams, it's like, okay, you know, he might lose, like, the U.S. Open. He'll, he'll lose with him, but, like, the French Open clay court, like, yeah. that's that's Nadal's place. So it's, like, mm-hmm. it's it's hard to let go of, like, you know, what, what we're used to seeing, you know, seeing players like him and Roger Federer dominate. So it's hard for us to give credit to somebody like, Djokovic, who is is dominating right now because we're so used to that. Like you, well, you didn't have to play the greatest people. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. You didn't have to do it, and we miss yeah. seeing them play. We miss it. And a lot of it is on us because <laughs> right. I, I know me personally, I'm a, I'm guilty of it where I don't give Djokovic a due that he definitely deserves because I'm so still stuck on the past. Right. I'm still stuck on the the battles between Nadal and Federer. I right. Think, I still think they're the, Those class. Are the greatest of all time. Exactly. I, I'm still stuck on that. And, and you're right, there hasn't been anybody on the men's side to really fully mm-hmm. dominate since those two names, Roger and Federer. So, I mean, Roger and Federer. <laughs> Nadal and Federer, Nadal <laughs> Federer yeah. <laughs> Saying the same person. But you haven't been able to see people dominate. So it's it's kind of nice to see Djokovic step up and, you know, be amongst those great names. We need somebody to do it, you know? Exactly. And Djokovic, obviously, avenging his loss last year. He lost to Warwinka in the uh, French Open final last mm-hmm. year. He beats Murray. And... um I think now it, this was the first. He's the first man to win the four straight Grand Slam. Yes, that that's saying? that's facts. Yeah. So uh, definitely, congratulations to him. And let's hear his thoughts on the uh, huge victory. And um, now, let me just say real quick before I, I even get into this: the U.S. Open is around Labor Day, I believe. It's late right? August. Late August around Labor Day. So that could be something that could be a big deal heading with Djokovic if he wins Wimbledon as well. Going into this, because I don't think um, any male tennis players ever had a streak like that. Yeah, that goes a couple of years of just winning every single major. So that'll be great for him. Definitely be great for him. Been <laughs> going on um, in my mind uh, ever since I arrived in Paris, uh, but um, I felt like this year when I arrived that um, it's it's really different from any other year. The, the relationship and connection I had with fans and with people around that are 
um, you know, contributing to the organization of the event that I see on a daily basis, you know, from security to, you know, um, ball boys, ball girls, and all the people around. It's, it, was, it was just different, you know, and, and uh, obviously, as any other year, I was hoping that this is the year. Um, but I, um, um, you know, I, I felt that kind of uh, support and love from from the people around that that allowed me to be to be sitting here with the trophy. That that's for sure. You know, that that kind of support was um, uh, very well present at at the stadium today. Um, you know, I entered the court um, you know, quite prepared. Um, I started well first game and then I dropped the four games and you know nerves kicked in and um, you know I needed a little bit of time to to really find the right rhythm and <clears throat> start to play the way I intended which happened in the beginning of the second and practically till 5-2 in the, in the fourth set uh, I was it was uh, flawless tennis you know I, I really felt like played on a high quality and you know putting a lot of pressure on, on Andy's serves and uh uh, just trying, trying to hang in there, you know. And uh, I was, I was coming into the court today knowing that I need to give it all in in every aspect of my being, in every uh, meaning of that word, in order to to win this trophy. And uh, so, so when I when I got to five two, I was just um, when I managed when I broke him the second time. I got to five two in the fourth. I just started started laughing. I don't know. I had that kind of uh, emotion. It was not really. I didn't feel too much pressure, honestly, you know. And and uh, Maybe I took things uh, a bit too lightly and, um, you know, uh, just played a loose game in 5-2. And, and Andy encouraged himself each point to, <clears throat> you know, to come back and, and fight through, which he did. Uh, and then 5-4, obviously 40-15, you know, two, two close points. Then, yeah, they're, they're, you know, you, you, you train as a professional athlete to, to always be in the moment and focus on the next point and, you know, not care too much about what's, in the past or what what is coming up because you can't influence that but we're all humans and you know uh, arriving so close like never before in my life to this this trophy and winning it it was you know I felt it you know I felt uh, the tension and excitement uh, all the emotions you name it um, and then you know I was just trying to focus on serving well getting the first serve in and, and trying to put myself in a good position those few points which which I've done, and in the last couple of exchanges, in the last point, I don't even remember what happened. I, uh, it was really one of those things where you just um, the moments where you just try to be, be there, and um, it's 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 like my <laughs> my spirit has left my body, and I was just observing my body, you know, fight the last three four exchanges, you know, going left to right, and hoping that Andy will make a mistake, which has happened, and uh, yeah. Just um, a thrilling moment, really one of the most beautiful I've, I've had in my career. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs>
It's always good to have a little Nirvana. It smells like Teen Spirit. <laughs> Bringing it back. That's 1991. Wow. I wasn't even born. Yet. Oh, now wasn't you, even oh, thought she of. She just made me feel really old. <laughs> I was four years old. Just stop it. <laughs> I was four years old. Just, I felt <laughs> just chilling. Oh man, we're back. Sports Social Eddies. I got Naomi Gray in studio. Um, it's it's just interesting now. You know, we're looking at that and we're talking about the past and the WNBA. Their past is being celebrated. Mm-hmm. 20 years. You like that segue, right? I just try to make that work. Yeah, it was super smooth. I really got to okay. give you credit. <laughs> I felt good about that. I just had to point it out. I felt good for everybody listening out there. It's not easy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, you got 20 years of WNBA. 20 years going on. What, you know, we, we talked about this last time about the image and how people look at women's sports. The season's underway now. Who are the top teams? Do you feel like so far? Is it? I can obviously name off like Minnesota Lynx. Yeah, you know. and the, and the LA. They're LA, they're dominating. They're seven zero right now, which is surprising to me that LA is seven and zero. Because last season they were down like one and like twelve games. Some something yeah. crazy. Like they were nobody was worried about them. No, and bottom and, of the barrel. You know, you look at them and the Lynx both being undefeated. And I'm like I said, I'm pretty I'm proud of the fact because I know Candace Parker's playing with a chip on her shoulder for not making that Olympic team, right? Which I still feel like is a travesty that Candace Parker is not on the Olympic w- team. Exactly, totally. And you know they're leading the the, the Western Conference right now. Western Conference is kind of beat up. It's just Minnesota and LA above 500. And uh, you look at the Eastern Conference and you got the Atlanta Dream leading uh, six six and two, followed by the Liberty at four and three. Mm-hmm. And you follow you follow Liberty pretty closely. Yeah. What are you seeing from this year's team that's either better or worse than they were last year? Last year they got off to a pretty hot start. To be honest, I'm not I'm not seeing when it comes to the beginning of the season because last season they also had a change in their roster from from the um from the 2014 season. So it's like they're still in that process of building chemistry. You know what I mean? Swin Cash just came back not too long ago, another vet. You know, so you still Which have is surprising exactly. So, you know, their season started off without her. And, like, mm-hmm. last season they had that great thing going on with the rookies plus the vets, and it, it meshed very well together. Right, right. And now, you know, it's it's more balanced. They do have the same type of amount of rookies and vets. And then, you know, you still have people like Kia Stokes stepping up. Mm-hmm. You know, you see Brittany Boyd still out there doing well. Tina Charles, of course, she's leading the NBA right I mean, sorry, mm-hmm. NBA. Sorry. She's leading the WNBA <laughs> right now in scoring. So yeah. you have those people still there. I just think it's... They're off to a slow start. You know what I mean? They were just they just snapped a three game losing streak. So yeah. that's something that they cannot do because it's like you have to just be on a hundred all yeah. the time. A hundred, a hundred. I like 100. that. Hundred all not, the time. Not a hundred, my hundred. Exactly. <laughs> and then they had like their worst loss to me so far was against the was against the Sparks when they lost in overtime mm-hmm. the first time they played. I think I believe they're about to play them again soon. So. It's it, what I'm seeing right now is that the chemistry isn't built yet. They're still yeah. kind of figuring each other out. They do have those great names there, you know, Shawnee Shimmel, Shimmel mm-hmm. B's up in there. She's yeah. she's you know she's a key player as Sugar well. Sugar Rogers. Sugar Rogers is somebody who's been stepping up mm-hmm. very well. And like last season, I remember it was a big deal about Sugar Rogers because she was a little silent killer. Yeah, you know, she was the person who stayed that extra time in the gym working hard, and mm-hmm. it showed towards the end Made of the season. Made a lot of big shots. Exactly. So she's been stepping up very, more earlier this season. And I feel like that's going to be a big deal for them as well. I definitely agree with that. Now, just seeing like how the team is, um, how the team is set up, 
they the Eastern Conference is always up and down. You never know who you're gonna you know who's gonna be hot, who's not. Atlanta Dream, Indiana Fever. It's usually the same teams around there. But going forward, and the way the season is constructed, having the big break and then having Tina Charles having to play in the Olympics, could that be something that's gonna hurt them? Or you know. I like to think by that time of the season they'll be able they'll be able to work something out so that doesn't happen because they they known that you know Tina's gonna go away for some time and mm-hmm. that that chemistry is gonna be lost for a bit but I think that you know the coaching staff and Bill and Bear is like putting things into perspective and gonna arrange something to keep the team as a unit because yeah. that's a big that's a bit that's a lot of lost time there yeah, that really a lot is. of lost practice time and that's something that you know there's a lot of rookies on their team something they're not used to you know what yeah. i mean the vets who've you know been there before they know how to work with it but now it's like it's up to the coaching staff to be able to put uh, a plan together where they don't lose that chemistry because it's the worst timing of the season for that to happen when you're going to come back and then the playoffs are you know right right around the corner after that right right you know so it's definitely just going to have to be uh, some type of plan put in order for them Okay. And there's going to have to be somebody there who could step up for Tina Tina when she's not when she's coming just coming back from playing in the Olympics cuz right. she's not going to be you know ready to go right away. I, I feel like she might slow down a little bit off after the Olympics cuz that's like I said that's she's having nonstop time while the other the team's getting a rest. So yeah. it either could work in their favor or not. They'll be well rested, <laughs> over rested, <laughs> you know, so it's like somebody's going to have to, you know, be the go-to person when Tina does come back just to help her get going. You know what? I look at like I said the way the season's going to be playing out and I feel like you, I, I like Bill Lambert as a coach a lot. Yeah. I really do. I feel like he could be a guy that can coach in the NBA as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think he does a great job with the with the organization. It's still weird that Isaiah Thomas is the executive. Yeah, I know people are still, 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 you know, trying to get over that. He's been quiet, though. He's been very quiet about it. As he should, though. You know, he has stayed out of the the limelight in Mm -hmm. in regards to that. Right. So I'm not going to destroy him for that. (laughs) Whatever he's doing behind the scenes must be working. Right. But, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. And I've been trying to find, like, more of a consistent lineup in terms of seeing the games on TV. I think ESPN puts a a game one on Tuesdays. Is that how it works? Sometimes. And then I... I believe ESPN2 does some coverage as well. You yeah. know, MSG, all the Liberty's games, they've gotten that deal last season where all their games are aired. So that's that's pretty good for yeah. the Liberty fans. But the inconsistency... It's very... It, it's obvious. It affects it so much, you know, because especially when it's during a time like the NBA Finals oh going God, on. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like WNBA is getting straight up lost in there. You know, nobody's want to... Uh, I'm going to see if I could switch out channels, like go back and forth, you know, when when it's commercial breaks. Nobody's trying to do that. They don't know what channel to go to. They're going to be searching for channels next to you. They miss the whole quarter. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's It's... like the inconsistency is definitely affecting, you know, the people watching. And I was saying to you earlier, like I seen the Watch Me Work commercial, which has been like the little slogan for the 20th season. Mm -hmm. And I sat to myself and I was wondering if ticket sales have gone up in, you know, in the event of it being the 20th season. And I don't feel that way. I Mm. When I went to... I was telling you earlier when I went to a Liberty game, I didn't feel the energy in the arena. Like you just felt kind of dead. It was kind of like they were going through emotions, and this is the opening night. Exactly, and it's like also with these with the WNBA games, especially at, at Madison Square Garden, the fan presence is children. Hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's cheap. It's to the point exactly. that you can bring kids in, and it's and it's like all everything is wrapped around making it entertainment for yeah. the children. You know. And it's like it's it's hard because it's like who are the true fans? You know, yeah. like they don't have the real 
age group as the fans base. You know, you see, you do see some, you know, young adults like ourselves at the games, you know, rooting mm-hmm. for them. But it's that's also inconsistent. You yeah, know right. what I mean? That's also inconsistent. It's also because it's in the summer. Right. And people would like to be out and about, you know. I felt like they did pretty well in the playoffs in terms of attendance. People oh, turnout up. was definitely good. People and I have up. to say, like some being somebody who attended the games a lot last season, I I think it was very it was a lot of fun. Like I looked mm-hmm. forward to even if it was a hot summer day, they got they got AC. You know, come <laughs> come on down to MSG, they got AC. That's important. You very know, important. Yeah. you know, I felt like you know. It was a good environment. You know, people, you could, it's just like any other game. You could still buy a beer. You could still drink, you mm-hmm. know, have a good time and watch and watch these girls, you know, right, show right. off their talents. You know, there's been a lot of good matchups. And I feel like the season with WNBA, it takes a, it takes a while for it to get hot and, you know, you know, get popping. It's, it's a little slow start, but, yeah. and then unfortunately you're going to have that big break that's going to, you know, lose some people. So, this is, it's going to be an yeah. interesting process going forward, but obviously the Olympics is is on the horizon, and you know they have all these these worries about the uh, the it was the Z, the Zika virus, yes, Zika virus, Zika virus. It's it's always something. It's always something when the Olympics <laughs> happen. Yeah, like there's always something that be be alert. You know what I mean? You that is always very true. you're always on alert when it comes to this. It, it's it's a shame, but hopefully, you know, hopefully they figure something out. But uh, that's, the, that's the story with the WNBA. We'll wait and see. Hopefully things pick up as well. Right. And we'll get a lot more excitement. But, hey, Skylar Diggins is playing, you know. So, <laughs> just saying. Skylar Diggins is playing. So and Candace Parker is doing great. Yes. Doing yes. amazing, despite yes, yes. her not being in that, you know, Olympics team. She's ridiculous. doing great. That is ridiculous. Once right. again, I'm, never, I'm still not understanding that. I have to throw that little shout-out in there for her because, you know, her, her she has a, a very large fan base. Yeah. A very large fan base. And it doesn't have to do with her being a beautiful athlete. It's Her skill level is, is ridiculous as well. She's a great player, and, you know, it, it sucks that that wasn't, you know. It wasn't pushed that. Exactly, yeah. that she was a part of that team. I, I, I don't know. We could go on for that for days. When I saw the lineup, I just thought it was weird. But, hey. I also feel like Brianna Stewart should have at least had to, you know, should have played one professional year. You know, but you know what? <laughs> I, I, you see, look, this way I gotta go back on you with this because Brianna Stewart played the role of like Anthony Davis played when he made the 2012 yes, men's yes, team, uh-huh. and then Christian Leitner made the '92 men's team. That's what they yeah. do. They always take the top college pro, um, athlete and throw them into the Olympics, which is it, they definitely deserve it. I, yeah. I I agree with you like that, but I would have liked to see Candace Parker. So I'm just being a little bitter. <laughs> she's a, she's a rookie, so that's the first person I'm gonna throw out. Throw out the obviously. <laughs> And no, and no, it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. What also is fine is um, Game Four, NHL playoffs, NHL Stanley Cup Finals. I saw your face lit up. Um, <laughs> Pittsburgh at San Jose. Pittsburgh is looking to take a commanding three games to one lead, while San Jose is looking to tie it up and you know make the series go longer. So it's uh, going to be an interesting matchup. Uh, let's see what happens with Sidney Crosby. Can he come up with another big goal? There's a lot of people rooting against Pittsburgh for obvious reasons in New York because there's a lot of Ranger and um, Islander yeah. fans here mm-hmm. that hate Pittsburgh. That's just that's reality. That situation. much I know. <laughs> you know that much you definitely know. They hate Sidney Crosby, and he's kind of like the new. Uh, you know, he's the it guy of the NHL. So they all want him to lose, and I, I can't see Pittsburgh losing another game. It's going to be interesting. Um, they have so many good players. I think, you know, Balkan's really good. Um, I don't like necessarily what they have been doing the last couple of games because they're, they're a team that scores a lot of goals. When they played the Rangers in the first round, that's basically what they did. They were scoring on Henrik Lundqvist. He's the best goalie in the game, and he's going to five goals a game. So 
Um, I'm going to be really curious to see how Pittsburgh comes out. Will they be more aggressive? San Jose has been the Cinderella this year. This is the first year I think they made the um, the conference, the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. So there's a lot of you know underdogs, San Jose fans hoping they could pull it out. Their run is similar to, and and I have to make the relation to, to the NBA. Remember when the Knicks made the finals back in '99? Okay, I've heard of it. it yep. I mean, oh. I, didn't, I wasn't watching basketball then, but I definitely <laughs> heard about it. The Knicks were an eighth seed. Knicks were an eighth seed, and they got hot and made it all the way to the NBA finals yes. and lost. San Jose is in that same type of realm where they're in rare air. They have a shot to you know really shake things up and uh, get their first title. We'll see what happens. And they got a weird attendance because the people in San Jose don't really sell out. They don't. It's not like really? a, it's not. Yeah, it doesn't really sell out. I, I noticed that with a couple of playoff games, but uh, they're loud. It just doesn't sell out. <laughs> I just don't understand that because it's like what else is going on in San Jose? Right, exactly. That they can't go to the That's hockey very game. That's why I'm, I'm very shocked. So it's uh it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a fun matchup tonight. Um, once again, that's at 8 o'clock, and that's going to be on NBC. Once again, I know you're tuning in on NBC. Yes. Pittsburgh versus San Jose. <laughs> and that's, see, that's, that's hockey. That's, that yeah, was our hockey sharp. segment right there. So <laughs> check that out. Uh, we're going to take our last break. And when we come back, we definitely have to – got to address some of the other things that we missed during the last two weeks with sports. They could be big stories. They could be little stories. Or honestly, just really funny stories. So I just gonna it's gonna I'm calling basically a mixed bag of stuff, and I'm gonna throw it out there to end the show. Is that fun? Yeah, that sounds fun. All right, we're gonna do that. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. We'll be right back. The situations out of control. 
Usher, Sports Social Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Got Naomi Gray. Now, Naomi, I don't know if you were in the like any of the concerts. There's a whole bunch of shows going on this past weekend. Oh, like Summer Jam. Summer Jam. Did you go? And the Governor's Ball. No, I'm not a big I. I'm not a big music person. Mm. Surprisingly, so okay. The the only concert I've been to in my life was Chris Brown and Trey Songz for the obvious reason. Oh, what is the obvious reason? That they're they're they're, the, they're, they're awesome singers. That, that, that they're that they're great looking, great performers. <laughs> I like how there's no there's no type of like, oh, I'm gonna be shy about saying this, but no, no filter, no filter, none, none at all. I was like, oh, because they just get back to community. They're just such great, upstanding citizens. That, no, oh, okay. I, I have seen Chris Brown before. In, he's a great performer. He's a great performer. And I, Modern day Michael. Definitely, just he just has to not do anything else but perform. Exactly. They got just lock him up when he gets off stage and then. To let him out because yeah. he everything else he's just not right with. But uh, interesting night over you know summer jam for everybody that stayed out there in the rain. You know they got a good show. I heard about Kanye West. Yeah, but then he he was supposed to do a pop up show and that yeah. got shut down. That got shut down. He was supposed to go to Webster Hall and yeah, Webster Hall. <laughs> Oh, you've had experiences there too. I, I haven't, too. but I've just heard too many, and I'm just like, for you guys to think that was gonna be a good, a grand old go, <laughs> you're you're crazy. Well, of course, it got shut down. Kanye, you know, obviously was a big fan of like you know talking about his mother and everything. Yes, we have another mom who's making news. Another smooth segue <sighs> into things. Look at you. I feel good. I just, you've been on an extreme roll today. I have, you know, it happens when you haven't been on the air in a while. Right. Just, you <laughs> it know just all I mean? comes out. It just all comes out. Everything I've been thinking about. But the story that everybody's talking about is not even about Eli Apple, the guy that was drafted number 10 by the New York Giants. It's about Annie Apple, <laughs> his mama. <laughs> Annie Apple, you know, she came out with a the, the very interesting interview and quote about her son and how, you know, you, you ever notice at the draft a lot of these players come in wearing, like, fancy suits and fancy jewelry and things like yes. that? Eli Apple didn't have any of that because his mom said no. I agree with her. And, you know, you heard the reason yes. why. Because she said, because you're a broke college student. Exactly. You ain't got nothing and yet. you don't have a job. <laughs> you don't have a thing yet. Stop fooling these people. <laughs> you ain't got nothing yet. <laughs> well, apparently that struck a, that, that was just the most, the biggest statement made this year by anyone. Because it flew across every news outlet out there talking about, Eli Apple's mom says, you know, you're a broke college student and you need to just accept this and blah, blah, blah. And she's everywhere. She's right. trending. She has a Twitter. She's uh-huh. tweeting about stuff. And she's like a popular follow amongst mothers. And, and you know, and it's, it's interesting to the point that she now has a job. She was, she was just recently hired as a contributor to ESPN. Now, I, I, I see your face. And, I, and the reason why I had to bring this up is because... You're a person that you just graduated. Right. This is your career. You have to work through, you know, everything, the hustle and exactly. build up your resume just to get an opportunity like that. Right. She comes out 
makes a comment that gets everyone's attention and now has a job. It's insane. Like, you're already on your way. Your son was the number 10 draft pick. Like, he's going to play for the New York Giants. He's going to hold you down if he makes it past the preseason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to be all right. Excuse me. I'm looking for a job. I would and like to be an ESPN contributor. She ESPN. Took, she just took your job. She just took know. my job. That's, there we go. Annie Apple. Annie Apple just took jobs out here. <laughs> so, now, I'm still, like I said, I'm still trying to understand where do you go from here if you're Eli Apple, that your mom is more famous right now than you are? I mean... How does that... How do you feel? The only reason why is because we haven't gotten into the the mist of, you know, NFL season. We haven't gotten there. So his time will come to shine. He's going to be on the look. I think his his mom is helping him out because now people are going to be looking forward to, oh, Annie Apple, oh, her son plays in the NFL. Who is he? So that's going to, you know, mama's helping him out. Mama's that's helping how I see so it. You're okay with that. Mama's helping him out. I think I'm okay with but that. You know, it's going to be rough. It's like you have a bad game. They talk about it on ESPN and your mom's like pretty much dogging you out your mom's a contributor now. Now that's awkward. That's going to be awkward. That's going to be Very crazy. awkward. Yeah. Yeah, it would be different if it was your dad or your dad was like a former player or something right, like that. Right, exactly. Because you see that all the time. Absolutely. But your mom? <laughs> and she doesn't, that's what I was telling you. I was like, pull up her Wikipedia page or something. Let me see what she studied in college. Because if this is something she studied, then okay, great. She's having her big break. But if she was just been, Look, you know, who knows right now? I, I try to give the benefit of the doubt, but that was an interesting hire right there. And I also brought up another thing with, concerning moms because like Mother's Day and everything happened. And. Did you know about the the Lifetime movie in regards to Kevin Durant's mom? I the fact that I missed that is kind of like disappointing because I really was like so into the whole you the real MVP moment. I mean, yeah. I said that on every post that I ever posted on my mom about my mom. You know, nice. I took that and ran with it. <laughs> but um, like I was saying earlier, we were speaking about you know the Aaliyah movie and biopic movies and falling off. You know, Lifetime movies have totally fallen off. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I should be disappointed that I missed it. I mean, what did, was, what did you think? It was what you expected. I mean, it wasn't like you were going to see an Academy Award winning <laughs> piece here. I mean, this is a Lifetime movie. But uh, the woman that played his mom was really good. I, I thought the story was, you know, the cliche story. Dad wasn't there. And then the dad tried to get back in her life. But then the dad was, you know, not real about it. And it, it was that whole thing. It made, his, it made his dad look really bad. Let's put yeah. it in perspective. I know? mean, they have an amazing story that needs to be told. But I feel it was already told. You know, during yeah. that whole phase, and it's kind of overdue. But since we're on the topic of Mama Durant, <laughs> okay, get her a job as as a correspondent. She, she's, she's she's earned it, right? You think she's earned opportunity? She's earned it. She she's courtside going in during the games, like yeah. the OKC versus Thunder. I mean, oh my God, OKC oh. versus Warriors <laughs> series. I've been doing this all day. <laughs> the OKC versus Warriors series. She was very you know dominant on the court on the sidelines. So yes. I would love to see her you know amongst. You know, Charles Barkley, Shaquille oh, Neal, you know. I don't know, look, I don't know about NBA, all that. On TNT, imagine. Imagine oh, her just God. sitting up in there. That would be interesting. <laughs> it would be very interesting. And, you know, I, I started to think about some of the past, like, moms that have been over, over I don't know if it's over-involved. Is that the right way to say it? Within their, their son's lives on the court or on the field. Such like, as who? Like Allen Iverson's mom, remember? She oh. was very, she used to come out with a jersey on every right. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big signs, everything. You know, uh, it, it's... You see a lot of moms like that in high school football. Yeah. That rem- that brings me back to high school football. Really? And it's like, there's boundaries, you know what I mean? <laughs> there's sometimes where parents, you know, especially mothers, get too involved, and then there's ones who, you know, mm-hmm. you know, are able to balance that out. So, 
I mean, Alan Iverson's mom is kind of on the extreme side compared <laughs> she to... She was ghetto. She yeah, was exactly. extremely ghetto. Exactly. <laughs> and I liked it. I liked it. Because that's what she... She, she kept she kept the hood in her. Yeah. You know what I mean? She was there for her son. So she, she was on the extreme. But it, it's nice to see, you know, parents show up as opposed to those parents who don't show up. Right, you know? right. Because there are players out there who don't have... They're fan-based in the audience, and you know, so it's it is nice every time where you get to see the camera go on a crazy, crazy parent, you know, going in for their child. <laughs> it's very true, and we're definitely going to see a lot more of that, especially now you have Annie Apple as the contributor to ESPN. Right. I can't wait to see her first piece. I cannot wait. I'm, I'm solely like above anything about NFL. That's the first, That's what I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, last thing I want to say: um, a couple of websites went up on uh, the undefeated. I don't know if you if you check that out. It's from it's mostly sports from an African American perspective. That's I've being, heard of it. Yes, being um that's from ESPN. So that's that. I checked it out. Some good pieces on there. Also, the Ringer uh, website is officially up. That's from uh, Bill Simmons. That's his new Grantland. You know, he's calling it the Ringer. It's up there. Some good posts as usual. If you like Grantland, you're gonna love the Ringer. It's the same thing. And he has a TV show coming out on HBO. So a lot of stuff going on within the sports industry. A lot of jobs. A lot of jobs. Thank you. Thanks for just, <laughs> thanks for putting that out there. You sorry. Just, just, just what's, what's going on right now? That's what's I graduated. Going on. I'm starving. <laughs> she graduated <laughs> and she's starving. But you know what? She has a chance to go get some food because we're wrapping it up for the day. <laughs> You've been so smooth oh, with yes. that today. I have been. You don't three know how for three. good. <laughs> that's that black enterprise. You know, that's that inspiration right there. Right. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to have a special Muhammad Ali tribute. Old, nothing but Muhammad Ali quotes, clips, great stuff from him, and just um, getting people's thoughts on the late boxing champ. So uh, definitely tune in tomorrow. This has been Sports Social with Ed Easton and Miss Naomi Gray in studio. Back tomorrow. Have a good one.
much I love. 